Hello, it's Tuesday, October 3rd, and welcome to Paper Cuts, now out five days a week, making us officially more reliable than any promise you'll hear from this week's Tory conference. I'm Jacob Jarvis, filling in for our regular host, Miranda Sawyer. Welcome to our modern news review, where we've got spades in the ground ready to dig through the pages of today's newspapers. If you enjoy hearing us get dirty with the press, remember you can help our proudly independent podcast keep going by joining the Paper Cuts Supporters Club. Just visit back.papercutsshow.com, that's B-A-C-K dot to find out how. And if you can't remember that, there's also a link in the show notes. Now, here are the headlines for today's edition. Mank incompetence, Sunak has a day to forget at Tory conference. Mo money, mo problems, Trump in the dock over fraud claims. Purrs for fort, the answer to what makes someone a cat person. Welcome to Paper Cuts, where we read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where we comment on all the speculation that Rishi Sunak wants us to ignore. I'm Jacob Jarvis, and today I'm joined by Politics Joe reporter Ava Santina. Hello, Ava. Good morning. And alongside us is comedian and writer Fergus Craig. Hello, Fergus. Hi, guys. So what have we got on the front pages today, Ava? Let's start with you. So on the front of the Times, there's a story about HS2. That's PM brings axe down on HS2 in the north. Um, And also passport database will be used to match photos to shoplifters, which I assumed they would have already been doing. Um, The Guardian has Sunak accused of cancelling the future with climb down over HS2 and the big story that Trump gained a billion dollars from fraud. That's a court in New York. Cancelling the future really does sound quite extreme, I think. I mean, you know. It's, you it's not nice cancelling a train, but the future itself is I, not cancelled, surely. I would argue that the Tories are cancelling the future, but we'll get into that in a moment. <laughs> when the future's shit, yeah. cancel it. <laughs> and Fergus, what have we got from uh, from your end? The Daily Mail has, um, Britain is the best country to be black in, says Kemi. So that's great news for everyone. Uh, the Daily Star has a story, as far as I can tell, someone's pet has gone missing and that is the front page in the daily start a skunk my skunk's done a bunk yeah, i used to work for a local paper up in leicester and i don't think that would have made the front page there so i'm quite impressed by it whoever managed to angle for that to get there well that would be shoddy journalism on the part of your leicester paper <laughs> <laughs> and uh the sun has a story about a judge from strictly shirley ballas and uh, she's been getting a lot of horrible stuff online and she's afraid to leave the house. Surely, I'm afraid to leave the house. You might imagine Tory conference to be a big room full of kindred spirits talking about hating taxes and loving Margaret Thatcher. But this year's affair looks half empty and nobody seems to be agreeing on anything whatsoever. The papers are reporting on a torrid day for Sunak, with the main focus being his lack of an announcement on HS2, despite basically everyone seeming to be saying it won't extend to Manchester. Ava, what are the papers saying about all this? What's the main thrust of the coverage here? The papers seem to be as confused as the public are. I mean, yes, Yesterday was a ridiculous day. So we started out with, you know, Hunt. Well, we thought that Jeremy Hunt, the Chancellor, was going to tell us that HS2 was cancelled. And then number 10 confirmed that wasn't the case. Later, a spokesperson for Sunak said it was the case. And basically what happened at the end of the day was a lot of reporters rang their editors and said to them, well, I've got a story about HS2. And no one could agree on a consensus of what that story was. And I think that's been evidenced in the papers today. You've got, you know... 
The Telegraph are pretty sure that it is going to be cancelled. The Guardian isn't that sure. And the Times is sure. So I don't know. I guess we have to wait to, until tomorrow. <laughs> I don't actually think they've made a decision. I think that's what the conclusion is. How do the papers seem sort of position-wise over the whole HS2 situation? It seems like everyone's relatively annoyed. Yeah, of course they are. I mean, it's a, an extremely expensive project. The Guardian are most annoyed about it. Uh, John Crace particularly annoyed about it because I guess it's sort of a, a pandering to a certain wing of the party that would like to see uh, less money spent on public infrastructure. Uh, the Times is also quite annoyed about it. As I said, their front page, PM brings, brings Axe down on HS2 in the north. You know, we're going to have this train link now between London and Birmingham, which as far as I'm concerned, was already running. Yeah. So it seems a it bit It never pointless. seemed that hard to get to Birmingham already, I didn't think. It's not It's not the, the fastest, but no trains really are in this country. Mm. Uh, what are the key sort of subplots that are going on? I mean, Truss is really big on the front page of the Daily Telegraph. What is happening with Liz Truss? What are people saying there? Well, the Telegraph, who famously likes the uh, sort of Suella Braverman, Kemi Badenoch, Liz Truss wing of the party, has put her front and centre on the front page. Uh, she hosted a fringe event yesterday at the Conservative Party conference, which was very well attended. It actually had a lot more people at it than even the Culture Secretary could gather in the main hall. And she was talking about cutting taxes, which, of course, went very well last year. Yeah. And so everyone's getting behind her to do it again, including Nigel Farage, who is not a Conservative Party member, but was at the Conservative Party conference. This is strangely sort of wields power over it, but doesn't seem to want to actually be involved in any sort of way. Uh, With uh, John Crace, he's talking about Liz Truss as well. What's he saying? Because it's not not everyone is convinced. It seems like there are still at least some people in the press who think it would be absolutely ludicrous to get Liz Truss back. Yeah, so he's written a sketch which is uh, more deluded than ever, Truss gathers flock of true believers to alter of pure conservatism which is a good read of it, but it's also sort of the same read that um, other commentators have made in the Telegraph those who should not be named I imagine. (laughs) Um, There is a column in here by Isabel Oakeshott who has suggested that Truss is brilliant to come back and it's all very exciting Um, I I suppose if you are a low-tax Tory, she is the only one who's flying that flag at the moment. Uh, Fergus, there's an amazing headline in the Daily Mail, isn't there? What's going on? What have they got going on there? Sure. Um, The Daily Mail has got... um, The big headline is Hunt's one billion blob jobs freeze. (laughs) Um, What they've done there is uh, they're they're talking about... He's about to suggest that he's going to cut a lot of civil servant jobs... And they've now termed that blob jobs. And I'm not sure if that's going to catch on. <laughs> it's all these bloody blob jobs. That's the problem. That's what's bringing us down. Do you, I mean, do you admire the, the Daily Mail and how they're able to be so furious and so ludicrous at the same time? It's quite a line to sort of toe, isn't it, really? I think that's just being a newspaper. I mean, that's what their job <laughs> is, right? I mean, you have to churn out stuff every day. There's so much from this conference. There's... um. As you say, Nigel Farage is there. My little prediction from me, I think he's going to end up head of the Tory party at some point. Yeah. In the really? next 10 years. I think, he's, I think he's got a fair old chance of being prime minister one day. I think that's where we're headed. So that's something to look forward to. <laughs> well, it's um, good that the future is cancelled then, really. As, as can I just say, earlier. he is there as a journalist. Do you know that? That's that's really, that's the official capacity officially, he's, he's there. Officially, he's there with GB News. But, I mean, that just means they're paying his expenses. I mean, he's he's just there to see what he can get involved in, right? The Mirror has got... Do you remember that party mm. with... If I just say to you, guy in a Christmas jumper twirling yeah. a girl, you'll be able to picture <laughs> it. That's all imprinted on our brains. Um, 
that uh, girl is obviously, she's a Conservative Party activist. Her name is uh, Malin Bogue. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but it, it's the sort of name, if you read it, it looks a lot like Moulin Rouge. <laughs> and um, she's been sort of doorstepped at um, the conference by the Daily, Daily Mirror and uh, refused to say anything. But um, yeah, it seems that... like her, she, her life, if she thought that that had been forgotten about, it very much hasn't. Yeah. She'll be defined by that. Yeah, that video forever. is quite something, isn't it? I mean, Ava, you, uh, you've watched that video. How good is her, her facial expression, how it changes? She's very confused. It seems to start with she's quite excited because her name is called out by someone and then she realises she's being ambushed by a journalist and it, it changes immediately. But, you know, the actual video that the, the Mirror journalist is referring to is is really quite dystopian, actually, because it's, it's of course, from Partygate and they are dancing um, at Christmas and it's the Christmas when everyone was at home isolating and also a Christmas where a lot of people lost their loved ones. Yeah. Um, it, it's quite, you know, we've got the COVID inquiry going on at the moment. So it's it's a pretty stark reminder that this was quite a serious point in time. Not to ruin all your jokes there. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, no. Yeah, but, I mean, how do you feel watching all of this play out the Tory conference? It's, it is just quite strange to see fall apart, isn't it? There's so much going on. So many conferences do fall apart and the the very early on, the narrative is set, right? Is it a success or not? And this one really isn't. I think it's a good argument against people who think that uh, there's a huge conspiracy and all our lives are controlled by this yeah. great sort of <laughs> force. But the, because the incompetence on show, yeah. if you were going to cancel HS2 going to Manchester, this would not be the best week to do it when you're holding a conference in Manchester, and it certainly wouldn't be the best idea to not have an answer to the question, oh, are you going to cancel HS2 throughout the conference? They're saying today that they're going to have a cabinet meeting where they're going to decide for certain whether they're cancelling it or not, and then they're going to announce it tomorrow. I mean, that is terrible management, isn't it? That is... Well, it's because the story got totally out of their control, right? right? So I think from Sunak's perspective, he wanted to cancel HS2 because it has been built by ploughing through the Green Belt, which, of course, is a concern for many Conservative Party members. And also it feeds into this weaponizing the car that apparently mm. the left have been doing. So I think he thought he was going to stand up to this big speech like, I'm giving you back the car. I'm giving you back the Green Belt. No to expensive infrastructure um, projects. And actually what's come out of this is, no, no, we'd actually quite like a bit of rail up to Manchester. And it's just not the way he expected it to play out. Well, I think... It's always you're always going to have loads of people within each party who are for it and against it, and you just yeah. need to make a decision and stick to it. Yeah, my genuine sort of uh, answer to most conspiracy theories, as you say, is just that people are simply too incompetent to make them stick together. It just couldn't possibly this this these guys couldn't have any variety of conspiracy theory going on, could they? Because how they they wouldn't keep anyone in a line. Uh, Ava, it is all embarrassing, but does it actually matter that it's embarrassing for any of them anymore? I mean, they're. They're pretty screwed, aren't they? Well, actually, I think that they're coming out of this quite well because what we could be focusing Interesting on... Interesting take. Is that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hot takes from over there. <laughs> the Tories are doing well. Well, but, you know, what we could be focusing on is the fact that there was a YouGov poll yesterday which showed that 86% of the public think the NHS is in probably the worst state it's ever been and, you know, 68% of the public... Gosh, I don't think it was 68. I'm hoping it, it was around late 60s said that they thought schools were in a terrible place. You know, this is 13 years of Tory rule. It's almost good for them that we are looking at a rail project rather than looking at, like, the serious issues that actually affect us on a day-to-day.
Donald Trump appeared in court on Monday and was as gracious as you might expect him to be, predictably branding the whole thing a witch hunt against him. Ava, can you explain what the story is and what's happening at the moment with with Donald Trump? Yeah, so yesterday Trump was in a New York court. He didn't speak in the court. He spoke outside of it because, you know, famously you don't get a good hearing in court. You only get a good hearing if you speak directly to the press in a convoluted and confusing manner which it was. It was very difficult to make head or tails of what he was saying. But the thrust of it was there is a New York attorney general who has taken a case, a civil case out against him for inflating his assets over 10 years between 2011 and 2021. Um, And the thrust of this yesterday was that he basically said the attorney general was a disgrace. He's back on his fake news vibe. And so he's trying to make an enemy out of the prosecution. How much money are we sort of talking about here? So he inflated himself to about, what, a billion dollars or something like that he managed to boost his assets up to. It says he uh, overvalued his assets by between $812 million and $2.2 billion. Which is just, I mean, th- those two numbers are really far apart for one, for one anyway, but it's, uh, it's massive numbers we're talking about. I read it? that he, he, he valued Mar-a-Lago at a billion dollars and the... Um, <laughs> Tax people valued it at $18 million. That's quite a big <laughs> difference. Yeah. I would imagine it's probably worth more than $18 million. Yeah. It certainly would be if it was in London. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. like how I value my bank account, like when I'm at the bar buying drinks on a Friday night, and I'm like, oh, I have, I have enough to buy everyone a, a, a beer right now. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next morning I'm like, I did not. <laughs> yeah. It's all so mental. He's in court so much on so many things. Yeah. But I think it just washes over us now. Yeah. It's like a few years ago, I don't know about you, I was just obsessed, followed everything that Trump yeah. did, was very entertained slash horrified yeah. by it. And now it just sort of, now that it's sort of reaching an even more mental stage, it just washes over me. It's like, yeah, it's like the Simpsons. They're still making the Simpsons, but I don't <laughs> watch it. And it's like, oh, are they still making that? It's still going on, but yeah. I'm no longer interested it's got the i mean it says uh in the times it's got the quote here from him my financial statements are phenomenal (laughs) (laughs) so they're supposed to be accurate they're just supposed to be accurate that's all they're meant to be yeah yeah phenomenal really doesn't doesn't matter does it just perfectly fine would be more than enough and the piece in the times is, is one of those pieces that's sort of half facts and half poetry it's got a line here his mouth opened in a fish-like motion that might have been a sigh or a suppressed yawn. <laughs> what do you make of the pictures of Trump? I mean, how he looks. He really has transformed into the utter sort of final stage toddler, hasn't he, at this point? It's, really it's one of through. those things. It's in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? When you look at those pictures of him, one side of America looks at it and sees a stoic yeah. hero standing against... Uh, the forces of evil. Yeah. And another side the, looks the at it. The tyranny of yeah. furniture companies and yeah. the like. And the other side looks at it and sees a, a, a toddler or whatever. Yeah. What did you think to the, the kind of rant he gave outside the court? There's this sort of eight-minute ramble he I, goes I, on. I lasted two minutes. Again, it's like one of those you <laughs> could spend weeks and weeks of your life just watching Trump rant. It all just washes over me now. It's like none of it it's very hard for anybody to keep up with what he's saying. Does it make him really hard to cover, you know, as a journalist? Because you you just can't pick out what the news line is. And most time, most of the time, when someone gives a you know a press conference or a speech of some kind, you know what 
you're going to file, don't you? You know what the top line is, the intro is. With Trump, mm. he just says too much, doesn't he? Like, you can't actually pick a focus, can you? Well, do you know, I haven't covered him properly in years, but I, I, I do cover Westminster. And I have noticed that a lot of his techniques are creeping into the Westminster bubble. So, I mean, even like with Jeremy Hunt's speech yesterday, that was so convoluted and there was so much going on in that speech that you can't pick out what the top line is. Yeah. And a lot of the um, the rhetoric is defensive, okay. which is very Trumpian. You know, it's we are trying to serve you and there's an angry mob outside of this that is trying to fight against us. That's yeah. our worst American import, I think, of the last decade. Yeah. Well, that's some kind of get blanket coverage, doesn't it? Because they have to you have to do loads of coverage to be able to fit any of it in. It's like those um, family members that I imagine most of us have, like one family member who's like an addict or has borderline personality disorder or something like that, where at Christmas it's just hard to, you just end up in these, maybe I'm getting too personal here, but you, <laughs> you, you just end up in these discussions where the goalposts keep moving. What are we talking about? Like it, yeah. you get so lost in the weeds. Yeah, well, you feel like you you must be right, but they're making you feel like you you are wrong on everything at the same time, and you're kind of like, but no, I I swear I'm right if we're talking about what I think we are, but yeah. are we? Who the knows? goalposts keep moving. I think that's a really perfect way to to summarize it. So it's like, I mean, I mean, especially with the whole Trump case, right? It's you know, we started out with files in Mar-a-Lago, and now we're talking about an. This, you know, inflated debt. I'm like, I don't know where we are. I don't know where we are anymore. And I don't think Americans do. But the one line that they can rely on is none of it is real. The headlines are the real meat inside a newspaper. And here at Papercuts, we like to dig out the very tastiest bits. So what delicious morsels have we spotted today? Fergus, what have you got? Uh, right. So there's apparently there's been a spate of bear attacks in uh, rural Japan. So they've combated that with a robot wolf (laughs) (laughs) with um, red eyes and fangs that goes on the patrol to scare off predators. And uh, the headline is scare bear tactic. Okay. I quite like that. I mean, the robo wolf does sound quite scary there. And uh, the Daily Star also has a headline uh, about the Ryder Cup. Uh, it's got uh, Rory McIlroy and Shane Lowry drinking from the cup itself. The headline is hole in one. No, it's down in one. <laughs> hole in one. No, it's down in one. <laughs> nice one, lads. Very nice. Very nice. They're sort of freshers uh, style humour they've gone for there, haven't they? And then Ava, what have you got? You've got one from from the sun. Yeah, the story on page three today is that Ed Sheeran apparently got high smoking weed with Snoop Dogg and lost his sight in front of his mother-in-law. And the headline is Off His Ed. You said that really uh, so seriously there. He got high off of weed. (laughs) (laughs) He did weed. (laughs) I did this like BBC voice training like 10 years ago. And every now and again, it comes out like the weird pronunciation or, well, no, not even that. What is it? Enunciation. Enunciation, yeah. Terrible. Yeah, it was quite brass eye that was there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm David Baddiel. I'm a writer and a comedian and a Jew. I'm Saeed Avasi. I'm a businesswoman and a politician and a Muslim. Jews and Muslims always seem to be in the news or on the news. Lots of people talk about us and this is us talking about ourselves. The kind of things that people say don't touch, we are going to go there. 
I mean, I think Jews and Muslims are talking about these things, but I think they're not talking about them together because they're worried that if they do, sparks might fly. A Muslim and a Jew go there. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Away from the news, there are also enjoyable fluffy pieces in the papers, and we've got one today that is truly fluffy. Cats. In the words of Jerry Seinfeld, what is the deal with cat people? Fergus, talk me through this story that we've got in G2 in The Guardian. Oh, uh, well, it's just another one of those. It's it's two pages of absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> are you a cat person? Are you a dog person? Who gives, gives a shit? The world is on fire. Uh, <laughs> Um, it, it, this is a story which I, I, I guess is making the case for cat people. I, I, you know, I, I'm neither. Are you a cat person or a dog person? Or... I mean, I, I like a dog, but, you know, I can't really be either because I live in rented properties. So... Right, yeah, it's not an option. No. Um, the social psychologist Samuel D. Gosling of the University of Texas has studied the personality traits of self-identified dog people and cat people he found that cat lovers score higher on neuroticism and openness to experiences, whereas dog people are more extroverted, agreeable and conscientious. XL bully owners included. It, apparently. <laughs> it's, it's, all, it's, it's science. He's a professor. Yeah. yeah, it's sort of really... So it gets into how cat people are more like philosophers and stuff like that, doesn't it? I mean, it just seems really like... It sounds it sounds pervy. Cat people choose a life of service. We are willing handmaidens to our luscious furred friends and in return are rewarded handsomely with nibbles, purrs and licks. It's filthy. It's just pure filth. I am begging these people to please leave the house. Just once. No, but they don't because they're philosophizing, Ava, that's the thing. You know, right. we need thinkers in this world, don't we? We have to it's certainly not me. If I think too much, cats. it goes into the void. Don't I mean, like it. Does this just feel like you know PR for for cat people? It's just another case of identity politics, isn't it? <laughs> the last time I was on this podcast, I managed somehow to really piss off the um, the Rumble community. Um, this week, I'm going to really piss off the cat, cat community. community. Yeah, they're going to come probably for you. the most vociferous community online, right? Yeah. And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thank you to Ava for joining us. Thank you. And thanks ever to Fergus. Thank you. Remember, we are now out five days a week and we would love if you could support us to carry on making sense of the papers for you every weekday. We are a small, plucky, 100% independent outfit. We've got no big media backer to fall back on. And just buying the papers costs us £600 a month on its own. So it would be fantastic if you could chip in a little to keep paper cuts on the road. For as little as £3 a month, you can get 20 episodes a month without adverts. Support us with a little more and you could get a extended episodes with extra material plus the coveted paper cuts mugs and t-shirts and listeners get thanks on the show like this hello and thanks to Kirsty Janot thank you and welcome aboard to John Penny apparently two-time winner of fix the headline and then a big thanks from me to Thomas Sturgis Allard Find out more about backing us by following the link in the show notes to back.papercutsshow.com. That's B-A-C-K papercutsshow.com. I've been Jacob Jarvis, and you've been listening to Papercuts on a day when boffins claim there is an ancient alien library under the Sphinx. I want to believe indeed. See you tomorrow.
Paper Cuts is written and presented by Podmasters Managing Editor Jacob Jarvis with Ava Santina and Fergus Craig. The show is produced by Liam Tate with assistant production from me, Adam Wright. Audio production from Robin Leeburn, designed by James Parrott, music by Simon Williams and socials by Jess Harpin. The executive producer is Martin Boitosh and the group editor is Andrew Harrison. Paper Cuts is a Podmasters production.